You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I am, of course, your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender, and I want to thank you all for joining me once again. Of course, on this episode, we will be discussing Chapter 6 of The Legend of Korra, which is titled The Sting. Now, that's going to say a lot about this episode, and of course, it, that the title pretty much accurately represents exactly what the entire episode is about and as if you notice there's some huge differences about this episode but we'll get into more of that in a minute i want to take this moment to remind everyone that this is sort of a fan feedback sort of podcast so i do welcome all of your emails comments responses replies etc usually the way this works is that every episode i'll pose a few questions sometimes it's directly related to the episode sometimes it's just a theory overall about the show and the direction it may be going in sometimes it may even be a question about avatar the last airbender uh so whatever that question is if you have an answer make sure you send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash republiccityreport and leave me a comment and then i will read your email on the following episode and answer your questions and we'll have a discussion with that being said in this episode i have a new email from andre um Andre, I asked a question a couple episodes back kind of pertaining to Aang's age and why he constantly when he when he the few times that he does show up, he shows up at this constant age of about 40 years old or so. This is something that I've already discussed, but uh, Andre had his thoughts and opinions on it. So I'm going to bring that up a little bit later on in the show. I also received the comment on Facebook that I want to address pertaining directly to this episode. But as I said, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Okay, so let's just get into this. Once again, chapter five, I'm sorry, chapter six, The Sting. Immediately, lo and behold, we notice something different about this episode is that for the most part, it's about our supporting characters. We only see Korra within the last minute or so of the episode, but I'll get to that in a second. Now, I'm just going to start off by saying this. Do you remember a couple episodes ago? where I was making a point that we needed to see more of our supporting characters because we weren't getting enough of them. We were only getting them in tiny bits, uh, with the exception of Bolin, who was just kind of getting into these weird, wacky adventures. We barely saw Asami, and Mako had more or less just kind of been reduced to helping out Korra and didn't really have much of his own thing going on for the most part. Now, all of that changes with this episode, but... As I said in that previous episode of this podcast, that my concern was is that they were giving the supporting characters so little time on screen and and showing so little attention to their their stories that if they jumped into it all of a sudden, it would be very weird. And to me, that was this episode. Uh, It wasn't a bad episode. It's just very unusual. 
because we're in the, we we got so little of those characters and now all of a sudden we have an entire episode that's pretty much based around them so because of that it feels kind of out of left field it feels a little unusual um i'm going to say this the stuff with bolin right now about him being an actor i i really could care less about that stuff i don't i don't understand where that's going um I've been saying for a few episodes now that this stuff with Bolin is kind of maybe getting a little out of hand because first it was him and the thing with Eska and them being a quote unquote couple. And now he's hanging out with Varric and he's doing he's an actor. This for me, the Bolin stuff needs to tie in to Cora's to the main storyline of the season somehow. And maybe it will at some point. But right now, it really does just seem like a side adventure that he's going on. And it's not particularly interesting. When they first jumped into that whole thing and during this episode where they were showing uh, the movie that he was in, I I thought I was going to enjoy it because it immediately reminded me of. Do you remember in the last Airbender series when Aang and Katara and um, Toph and Sokka, they were all hiding out in the Fire Nation? Uh, so this was during the, that book, I think it was book three, Fire, um, where they they came upon a production, right? A theater, a theater production, and the theater produ- production was about them. So there was an actor playing as Aang, there was an actor playing, there was an actress playing Aang, actually. There was an actor playing Sokka and so forth, and that episode was hilarious. You know, it didn't it didn't really advance the storyline but it was still extremely funny now the problem with the legend of Korra is is that if they're going to have these episodes where it doesn't advance the storyline then i don't i'm not i don't know if they've earned that yet um you know i'm not i'm not exactly sure that this this series particularly has earned that the thing about the last airbender is that by the time they got to book three we we knew our characters so well to where they could get away with doing an episode like that every now and then that didn't advance the main storyline. As a matter of fact, it did a lot of those. And those single adventures were so interesting in their own respect that it didn't it didn't matter. It didn't matter because they were so interesting. The, the characters were so interesting. And I'm not saying that the characters aren't interesting here. What I'm saying is, is that it's just not it's not it's not having the same effect. So this whole thing with, with Bolin is, is kind of gotten old and maybe just maybe they might be trying to approach a point to where um, maybe his involvement with Varric is going to be the problem now, because in this episode, we kind of have reason to believe that now Varric may be um, sort of a mastermind behind this whole thing himself. Now, let me take it back a little bit. Once again, this episode is called The Sting. Now, the reason why it's called that is because at the very beginning of the episode, uh, one of Varric's ships that is contains Asami's cargo on it because she pretty much made a deal with him because she's having trouble keeping future industries afloat is in the water and it gets attacked, destroyed, etc. So that happens. And then it's pretty much brought to the attention of the police and Chief Beifong is interviewing the people who escaped from the boat now Mako is in the other room he's listening because you as you recall Mako sort of has his own theory about what's going on based on what he experienced at the peace rally where he saw a fire nation member there um 
and he found like a detonator or, or something like that. And now, uh, based on the descriptions that these other boat captains have to say about this event, it sounds like the same thing. It sounds like the same person. The way they described the explosions made it sound like the same thing. So Mako, of course, now using his new intuitive skills, kind of starts to come to the conclusion that these two events are related. But of course, in typical uh, buddy cop <laughs> fashion, uh, it's quickly dismissed. And then, of course, there are the other two cops in the precinct that give him a hard time. I mean, all that stuff is pretty typical and standard. And, and some of it's funny and some of it's not. But, you know, I, I mean, I can appreciate the Mako thing because this is kind of a solo Mako thing, but it still ties in to the main story because ultimately he's trying to find out who's really behind all of this. And it may it may not just be the Northern Water Tribe in, in Unalak. You know, there may be some Fire Nation people involved in, here. And, and, and there's, there's something bigger here. And his story is tying into that, unlike Bolin's. So I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, it's weird enough that we get this episode with very little Korra and zero Tenzin. I didn't mention that. This may be the first time since this series began that we haven't seen Tenzin in an episode. So it'd be interesting to see where that's going to go. Uh, I don't know. This episode and the last one, my least favorite two so far. Uh, that's, that's not to say that they're bad. It's just to say that my least favorite two. Now, on the other hand, we do get some revelations in here. For instance, uh, for some reason, Unalak was in the spirit world. Um, there's a moment at the beginning where he's meeting with his, his children and they were supposed to, he was supposed to be there a certain time and he wasn't. And then he comes walking out of a spirit portal and they're, they're asking him, were you just in the spirit world? And he's like, don't worry about it. So that right there is pretty huge. Um, typically you can't go to the spirit world unless you're the avatar, because of course the avatar is the bridge between, uh, the living world and the spirit world. So we've known this entire time that there's something different about Unalak because he has this ability to make spirits calm down and return to their, you know, to the place where they came from and everything like that. So who knows what the extent of that is going to be? Hopefully it's going to be as interesting as it seems that it's going to be. But I, I'm kind of hoping that they get back on it now because we're what about six episodes in. This is about halfway through and we still don't really know what the main threat here is. And it makes me a little concerned that we won't even find out in this season that maybe uh, season three will be a continuation of season two. Because it just doesn't seem like they're progressing fast enough. Now, don't get me wrong. At the beginning, they were in the beginning. I felt like they were just jumping ahead, maybe a little too fast into the story, the main storyline. But now it seems like they're moving a little too slowly because it's it's it'd be one thing if Unalak was officially the bad guy, but we it doesn't really seem like he is. So that means we need to find out who the official bad guy is so we can hurry up and get to that and get him established and get his background, and his origin story and all of those things out of the way. Now, speaking of revelations. A result of Mako 
Mako's investigation pretty much leads to him coming up with this idea for a sting operation to where he's going to take a boat out into the ocean, he and Asami, and it's pretty much a sting and they're going to see if it gets robbed and then they can set up the people and see if it happens again so they can bust them and find out who, how it's going to happen. Now, what happens is, is that they end up having to go and ask the triple threats for their assistance uh, Shady Shin and the Triple Threats, which I don't know why anyone would trust anybody by the name of Shady Shin, but they go on the boat. Mako overhears them discussing the fact that they're being paid to just keep he and Asami distracted. At that point, we don't know why. But once again, not a huge surprise who really trusted Shady Shin to do anything non-shady. So they decide they need to escape from the boat. Okay, makes sense. And they do that successfully. But the question is, why were they being distracted? Now, we find that out. They return to future industries, this warehouse, everything is gone. Asami was having such a hard time keeping her business afloat, and it seems as if someone has cleaned them completely out. And they have reason, Michael questions the two-toed ping guy, And they have reasons to believe, you know, he and that along with finding out that the detonator and all those things was was like similar or made by Varick's companies. I'm sorry, my words are a little mixed up today. Varick's companies technology. So he's led to believe that Varick is the one who paid the triple threats to uh, pretty much distract he and Asami. He goes to Asami's office to tell her about it. Varric is already there. We find out that Varric has actually uh, just bought a huge stake in Future Industries, basically saving it from going under. Now, you know, by that, of course, they're hinting at the fact that Varric is somehow behind all of this also, which wouldn't be a complete surprise. I've been saying from the beginning that you just can't trust Varric 100%. You know, I mean, that was just something that that has been coming across since day one, which hopefully they'll tie Bolin's little adventure in with that. And that'll somehow play into the bigger story. Because right now, like I said, Bolin's adventures couldn't be any less interesting. It was at least a little bit interesting when he was sort of involved with Unalak's daughter, because that was still tied into Unalak. But now this whole side thing with him is just a little, just a little too weird. I don't know. But I can definitely appreciate um, the attention that both Asami and Mako got on this episode, even sparking a little bit of a romantic interest between those two again. Well, not necessarily more so on Asami's part. You know, Asami is pretty much distraught that the warehouse has been wiped out. Mako is being the smooth talking, comforting guy that he is. And for a brief moment, I guess she remembers that she loves him and she gives him a kiss and there's a moment and he kind of reacts, you know, not in the best way to it because he obviously he and Cora broke up, but it's, it's too soon. He and Cora still have feelings for each other, I'm sure. But look for that to become something, you know, you you hope in a show like this that something like that wouldn't lead to something else. You, you hope that it would lead to something else and it will. So keep your eye out on that. Now, speaking of Cora, the very end of the episode, we see her. She washes up on shore. Uh, She's found by some sages from the Fire Nation. And 
lo and behold, she has lost her memory. Now, this is where I want to bring up the comment that I received on the subject. The sorry, it's very late where I am right now, and I've been working all day, so I'm having a really hard time talking. But this is where I received the comment from Camille. Now, Camille basically had only one thing to say, and and this is I quote. That memory loss bullcrap pisses me off. Pardon my language. I'm just quoting what the comment stated. Now, what Camille means by that is um, a lot of TV shows throughout the history of time have always resorted to sort of a memory loss storyline at some point. Uh, And it's almost... It can kind of be sort of a get out of jail free card or it, I don't know. It's just kind of become synonymous with the writers not knowing what else to do. So let's make our main character lose their memory. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going on here. I really don't think that that specifically is what's going on, Camille, though. I do understand understand your frustration because that's usually what happens in TV shows. So you'd be a little concerned that that's happening now. I have to say, I don't necessarily think that that's what's going to happen. I'm at least what I'm hoping here is, is that throughout this experience of Cora not having her memory, she she's obviously going to have to learn a lot more. And what happens in these stories typically is that the person that loses their memory learns a lot of things that they didn't really know or expect or respect or cherish or. Um, or that they took for granted or, 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 or things like that. So, but what else happens is that usually they get their memory back, but they still retain the memory of everything that they learned when they didn't have their memory, right? So somehow look for this to make Korra into a better warrior, you know, to, to possibly bond her more with the spiritual aspect of things. And somehow this is we're going to learn more about her. She's going to learn more about her role as the avatar. It's going to lead to something great. I, I really do feel that I'm not a huge fan of the memory loss thing either. But I do think in this situation it's going to end up serving the storyline better somehow. Uh, and not only that, she's in the Fire Nation. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. We should find out who the Fire Lord is. Whether it's Zuko or not, we don't know. That's a question that I posed on last episode. I didn't get an email pertaining directly to that question, so I'm going to pose it again. Um, who do you think the Fire Lord is? Is it Zuko? Is it someone? Is it Zuko's son? I mean, it's got to be one of those two, right? I mean, what it is is that because I recall General Iroh saying that his grandfather was the Fire Lord, which has got to be Zuko. Uh... I mean, it pretty much has to be Zuko, but I don't like to just assume that it is because they haven't said 100 percent that Zuko's still alive. And given that he was older than Aang, I would I would assume that Zuko would have had to pass have passed away by now. But then again, who knows? Maybe Azula is the Fire Lord. I mean, <laughs> anything can happen. Anything goes right. Um, except for the fact that they, he did say grandfather. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's late. I'm sorry. But more, so I'm going to pose that question again. What is Zuko up to if he's still alive? Um, hopefully we'll find out. I mean, he's, he hasn't been referenced really yet. And I don't I don't 
I'm not too happy about that. I mean, I don't don't get me wrong. I understand. Once again, Legend of Korra is about Korra. But we as fans of the Avatar The Last Airbender, we want to know what happened to our other favorite characters. We want you don't have to give us a lot. Just give us something. Um, As a matter of fact, I would I would we should we should campaign for this. I would love to see a movie made on just them as adults. That would be great. Just just showing Aang and Katara with Tenzin and Boomy and Kaya as kids and Zuko as an adult and Sokka and just give us some storyline, possibly whatever storyline leading up to Aang's death. Give us that in a movie or miniseries or something because it just I don't know. It's just I just I really want to see that. And I can't help but think of that every time they talk about Aang, every time they show him, I want to know what happened. So if by some chance the creators hear this, please, I will buy it. I promise you that. OK, give us a movie that kind of just shows them as adults and, sh- and that tells the story of how Aang died. That would be great. Okay, back to this. So that's basically all I have to say about that. The episode itself, um, it was not one of the better ones, in my opinion. But it, it's funny because, as I did say in previous episodes, at some point I did want them to give more attention to the supporting characters. I think they may have waited a little bit too long, and that's why I feel so weird. But let's, I mean, I'm still up for it. I'm still up for it. We still got about six episodes left. A lot of time for a lot of interesting things to happen. Um, once again, the stuff with Bolin, please, please let that tie in somehow to Korra's story because it's getting out of control. <laughs> it's getting out of control. And hopefully next episode we get to see Tenzin again and let's get him back in there. You know, he's been on the, he's been sidelined for about five episodes now. Let's get Tenzin back in there and, and, and let's get some real action going here. Uh, I don't know where the stuff of core and her memory loss is going to lead, but I'm hoping I'm, I'm optimistic that's going to lead to a very good place. So now I want to take a moment here and shift over to your emails. Uh, I'm going to read one and address it here in just a minute. Looking to expand your avatar, the last Airbender collection. Or how about picking up book one of Legend of Korra on Blu-ray? There are plenty of DVDs, apparel, merchandise, and basically anything else you can dream of over at Amazon. Go to awesomepods.com and click on the Amazon link when you shop on Amazon. Okay, welcome back to Republic City Report, Legend of Core podcast. At this point, I'm going to read an email here that I got from Andre. Andre, let's see. Andre, you didn't give me your location. That's fine. Um... Next, just remind, just a reminder here. Try to send me your location, not your address. I don't need anything that specific. Just give me your city, your state, your country, etc. I just like to get an idea of where my listeners are coming from. Uh, how I want to see how far out this podcast is reaching. So I'd appreciate it if you let me know, and I'd also be giving you a shout out in the process. So once again, thank you so much, Andre, for the email. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email pertaining to anything regarding to this show, any questions you may have, any comments you want to make, any theories you may have, once again, please send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com, as well as go over to the Facebook page, give it a like, and leave me a comment, facebook.com slash republiccityreport. So, Andre writes, 
And once again, this is pertaining to a question I asked about Aang's age on prior episodes. I noticed that Aang was kind of showing up in his 40s every time that we saw him, whether it had been in one of Korra's visions or flashbacks, whether it had been him in the spirit world, whether it was a statue of him. It was at that 40-year-old age. And I kind of came up with this little theory that, you know, maybe it was because he died in his 40s that he would always show up at that age. And that was really just based on my experiences with other forms of fiction um, where that was the case. But that was just a very rough theory. And I think ultimately I decided that I truly believe that the, the, the creators just decided that they just wanted to make that the age that he showed up at. And that's probably all there was to it. Uh, but anyway, here's Andre's email. Hi, Tim. I was listening to one of the episodes in which the theory that Aang died in his 40s came up. But we know from the last airbender that when an avatar dies, it is reincarnated immediately and that the legend of Korra is set about 70 years after the last airbender. Hence, subtracting the age of Korra, 17, from 70 and adding Aang's age in the last airbender, 12, I think that Aang died around 65. What do you think? Excellent podcast. Keep it up. Firstly, Thank you so much, Andre, for the email. I'm glad you find this podcast excellent. I will definitely keep it up as long as you guys keep listening and keep supporting. So thank you for that. Secondly, Andre, if you have it, I'm assuming you you probably sent me this email immediately after listening to that episode. So if you go and listen to the following one, you would know that you would know that someone else actually emailed me a, a very similar suggestion that you made. And that was basically... If you take the time to do the calculations, you will have an approximate age for how old Aang was when he died. Meaning, like you said, take Korra's age, 70 years after the previous show, etc. You can kind of figure it out. And once again, there's no right or wrong answer about this. And you could be completely right about that. I just found it strange that instead of them showing Aang in his 70s or in his 60s, when he, you know, the statue and everything like that, that it was that 40-year-old Aang. So that's what led me to believe that that's the age that he died. But at the same time, why would he die in his 40s? And he, I don't think anyone would have been strong enough to defeat him. So you guys are probably right. He probably died in his 60s or 70s, etc. Um... But, you know, we don't know for sure. So that's why Nickelodeon and creators of the show, it'd be amazingly awesome if you decided to give us some kind of a mini series or uh, a movie or something like that that kind of explain that to us. Because we're wondering about it uh, and we'd all buy it. I think I speak for all of us when I said you can just take our money. OK, we will gladly buy it and watch it. So once again, Andre, I'm sure you're correct there. I mean, it's a theory. Uh, it's a very good theory. Uh, I just wish we didn't have to make these kinds of theories. I wish they would just tell us. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that is that. I probably went into a little bit more detail on it on that previous episode, Andre. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, go ahead and check it out. Feel free to email me again anytime. RepublicCityReport at gmail.com. Leave me a comment over on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash RepublicCityReport. While you're over there, go ahead and check out the awesome podcast network. This podcast is, of course, a part of that network. We have all sorts of stuff over there. Also at awesomepods.com, you can find links to all of our podcasts. We have everything from, we talk 80s movies, we talk 
trivia. We talk hero clicks. Um, I actually host another podcast called Geekly Dose, along with Stephen Ocentelli, where we talk about everything geek. That includes video games, movies, comic books, cartoons, TV shows, etc. Plenty of stuff over there for you to listen to. That podcast is explicit, though, unlike this one. So just take that in consideration before you listen to it. But once again, awesomepods.com. It's all free. Feel free to leave us all reviews on iTunes if you enjoy what you're hearing here, because we don't make any money doing this. So the best payment that you can give us is basically just giving us some positive feedback. So whatever you can do in that aspect, we would greatly appreciate. That about does it for this episode of Republic City Report. Of course, I will be back next weekend after the next episode airs and we will talk about it and we will see where this thing goes. We're about halfway through, so expect things to start to pick up and get really interesting in these past in these last few episodes. So hopefully we'll have some exciting things to talk about. So until next time, guys, for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender. And I'll see you guys next time. tells tales of epic adventure, magic, fantasy, philosophy, and most of all, fun. Find stories like these and much, much more at audible.com. For listeners of Republic City Report, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial that gives you the opportunity to check out their service. Just go to audibletrial.com slash awesomepods or visit us at awesomepods.com and click on the free trial link at the top of the page. Find this show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods.